Jacinda Ardern, Cindy, Cindy Kins, caught on a hot mic saying what? Well, it's not very kind, New Zealand. Not very kind at all. Also, robots and babies. Not baby robots. Well, not yet. Anyway, although judging by that video that's been doing the rounds on social media, maybe not so far away. Who knows? Anyway, going to get into all of that in just one second. But first, as always, welcome to the Arriving Somewhere with Matt J podcast. Commentary, comedy and conversation. Please remember to like, share, subscribe and comment. And any other good, amazing, beautiful thing that you can think of. Okay, well, just a quick update, actually. I've been away for a few days. Work has kind of been uh, uh, battering me, almost literally, actually. Um, (laughs) But I am as free as a bird next week, and that'll give me more time to talk to you, lovely people. So anyway, jumping into some of today's stories. Jacinda Ardern has apologised after being caught calling... David Seymour, opposition party member, well, sort of not the main opposition, but kind of the main opposition, the second main opposition, I don't know what you'd call him. Anyway, David Seymour from the ACT party, she was caught on a hot mic calling him an arrogant prick in Parliament. Now, I'll play the video, but it is quite hard to hear, so I'll play it a few times, and maybe I'll turn the volume up in in post, in the, in the editing process. I'll hopefully make it a little bit more... Uh, Easier to hear is what I'm trying to say there. Question number five, Nicola Willis. Thank you, Mr. So very hard just in the background there as the Speaker of the House is talking. You can hear her say such an arrogant prick. Question number five, Nicola Willis. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Question number five, Nicola Willis. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Now, my first response to this was not, not hashtag be kind, is it? Not hashtag be kind, but also... Are we bordering on hate speech here, Cindy? Well, let's have a little bit of a nosy on this News Hub article and we'll find out. Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has apologised to ACT leader David Seymour for calling him an arrogant prick in Parliament. Seymour earlier called on Ardern to withdraw the extremely unpalatable remark she's accused of making in the House. The moment occurred just after Ardern answered a question from Seymour about how she handles mistakes. (laughs) Oh, the irony! Not well. According to this response, a little bit of pressure seems to be on the PM these days. After answering, Ardern, and there's a seven minute video that I'm not going to watch. If you want to watch it, newshub.co.nz and just look up this article. After answering, Ardern sits down and, and the Speaker of the House, Adrian Rudafer, if that's how you pronounce his name, begins to call the next question. Ardern's microphone remains, remains live and she can be heard saying such an arrogant prick as you heard just before. Quote, some days I am a useless mouldy, other days I am an arrogant prick. He said, uh, David Seymour said, the apology we are really looking for is for New Zealanders worried about rising prices and ram raids. Jacinda Ardern texted me and said, I apologise, it's not, it's not something I should have said. And she said, as my mum would say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. Uh, Ardern always treating us and other politicians like children, I guess, but also treating herself like a child. So that's nice and giving her the own her own uh, mother's feedback from when she was a kid. So at least she's being consistent there. Uh, Seymour said, 
I agree with the sentiment, and it is all good as far as I am concerned. I just said thank you, and I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. At the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Ministers leaving the House were also taken by surprise by Ardern's comment. Kitty Allen said the comment would be, quote, an inappropriate characterization. Now, Kitty Allen, the now Minister of Justice, who has said she wants to bring in hate speech laws before the next election, which is next year. Now, Kitty Allen, after being told the Prime Minister had used the remark, she said, oh, was that right? Oh, I'm, I'm sure she wouldn't use that language. Allen was then told Ardern had apologised for it. Oh, that is good that we remain collegial despite all of our various different feelings for each other in heated moments. <laughs> she said she had called people an arrogant prick on the odd occasion. That's, look, this is bordering on hate speech, Kitty. And I'm going to have to hope that you're going to find yourself in the future retroactive crime. This isn't good. Quote, I am not sure what you're referring to, said Dr. David Clark upon being asked whether arrogant prick is appropriate language to use in the house. I have no idea what you're referring to, said uh, Chris Hipkins as well. I haven't seen it, so don't want to comment. It is difficult to comment on it without having seen it. <laughs> it's just such a political line. You could just say, oh, I've, I've, I don't know what you're talking about, and just move on. Just, they have to constantly say the same thing. A lot of words. I haven't seen it, so don't want to comment. It is difficult to comment on it without having seen it. <laughs> uh, this is good stuff. But if she's apologised, then yes, that is the right thing to do. We all make mistakes. This is not what he said, but that's probably what he's wanting to say. Hipkin, uh, it says Hipkins then got flustered when asked if Seema was an arrogant prick. He refused to answer and walked off. <laughs> why would you? Why would you ask him? That's very funny. Why are these journalists suddenly cracking down on the government? Is the writing on the wall for the government or something? Uh, there's going to be a lot of a lot of hilarious situations, I'd imagine, over the coming months. Anyway, uh, Damien O'Connor said the comment might be appropriate for some politicians, while Stuart Nash also wouldn't comment on whether Seymour was an arrogant prick. He's, he's lots of things, said Carvel Cipollone. Those are not the words I'd use. After being told Ardern had used those words, she just repeated herself. Nationals Nicola Willis called it poor form. It's poor form. It's not language that I would use. I don't think he's arrogant. I don't think he's a prick, said Nationals Chris Bishop. Ex-Deputy Leader... Brooke Van Velden said Seymour is a great guy and the Prime Minister's comment was unparliamentary. She has done the right thing by apologising, she said. Act Party MP Simon Court was also asked if Seymour is an arrogant prick. I'm sure he's going to say that to his own party leader. He, he, just, he just said he's, he's great to work for. Uh, uh, they asked if David Seymour had told his fellow MPs to tell him that he's great to work for. And he just shook his head, no. Okay. Very strange, very funny, but the that what I'm taking away from this is a is a prime minister in stress and under pressure. Now, also the reason I've said that is because there were some planned, well, seem to be planning for more protests outside Parliament for the last days before the end of the year. So I think it's what well, this week anyway, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth Parliament sitting, and there was a few bills that were going to be rushed through. But now, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has asked her cabinet ministers, ministers to reconsider their policy priorities over the summer break, signalling contentious policies may be cut for the coming election year. This is an article that came out the other day. So this is a Prime Minister under stress, and I think they've pushed too hard, too fast, and they're easing back a bit because there is an election next year. Now, she said on Monday 
that ministers would go away and look at our legislative program over Parliament's summer break, due to begin on Friday, as the government needed an absolute focus on the economic situation. Did the government had a role? Did the government have a role to play in that economic situation, Cindy? Quote, we need to be ensuring we are supporting New Zealanders and have a clear eye on that issue. We do need to trim back the amount of issues that we are progressing as a government. She would not indicate or rule in or out which government policies might be cut. See, so this could also be a walk it back, walk it back, walk it back, and then distract, bring in, bring them in when nobody's paying attention. No, I, don't, I don't think these things are going to be ruled out. I just don't. I think that... They will be progressed very slowly, possibly stalled for a while, maybe up until the election. There's going to be some election bribes coming up next year, absolutely. But this is just, again, a sign that she is in real political trouble. She said, do not read into the fact that I'm not giving specifics on any of them, because I won't. Because it's simply the case I'm giving ministers space it's uh, the article actually points out some economic confidence had plummeted to 18% and pessimism had increased to 61%, up 23 percentage points. The poll had Labour at 33%. And basically, that they cannot govern if the elections were held. They would be right royally kicked out of Parliament. Now, do I like the opposition? No. I don't like them. I think they are corrupt. I think, in talking about the ACT Party before, David Seymour, in my opinion, he's a, he might not be an arrogant prick. I don't know him. But in my opinion, he's a bit of a snake. I mean, for many years, this is the party that's been sp- sticking up for, for freedoms. And while I agree with them on freedom of speech, absolutely, and I think David Seymour's a part of that uh, free speech union, absolutely agree with them on the free speech issue. But where was he? during the lockdowns, wasn't pushing back on any of them. They were tyrannical rules. We all know it. I'm not going to repeat myself about it. But where were they? They weren't there. They they just went along with it all. Now, the ACT Party is, is also very, very liberal when it comes to things like um, euthanasia and abortion and, and stuff like that as well. So no, I don't like them. And I think them and, and National, in my opinion, are corrupt. But is it better than corrupt socialists? Yeah, yeah, I think it is. So, good signs politically, but also not good signs politically because there's not a lot of um, options for people like myself to actually vote for in the upcoming election. Okay, moving on. As you've probably heard by now, the case in New Zealand with baby Will, they the parents lost the case and the baby was taken from them and operated on. Now, everything at the moment, the baby's recovering. Everything seems to be fine, which is absolutely fantastic. That's the priority, clearly. But there's a lot of weirdness around this. Well, people just have some interesting opinions. Even in a conservative Reddit New Zealand New Zealand group, there's a lot of people that would fully back to the state in this. Yes, the state should, these parents are irresponsible, was the majority opinion even from so-called New Zealand conservatives. And then on the flip side of that, you had people saying this is a PSYOP because 
the parents appeared on the Alex Jones show. I don't know if the parents appeared on the Alex Jones show. I never saw anything like that. Maybe they did. Maybe the mum did. I don't know. But I'm just. I was just trying to understand how is this a psyop exactly? Is it just more divide and conquer, or or what? Now I did agree with people that some of the parents' behaviour and some of the videos did seem a little bit forced when they were around the camera and things like that when the camera was turned on. But I'm just wondering how how you and I would act in that situation and when cameras are on and being put in the spotlight suddenly. I would feel very uncomfortable in that situation anyway, but your focus is definitely on the child. But I can see why some people uh, thought the behaviour of the parents was a little bit forced in front of cameras. But to me, that doesn't mean it's a psyop. And look, ultimately, I think, again, in my opinion, being very clear on that, that this baby was probably given unjabbed blood in the end anyway, although we will never know that. Because the publicity of all of this, if something had gone wrong, imagine the blowback on it. Um, So I think that they would have taken absolutely all precautions with this operation and this child. And saying that, I was listening to... So Liz Gunn has been the predominant... Well, she's an independent journalist now, I guess you'd call her. She's been the predominant predominant one covering this and being with the family and in the room with the family with certain doctors and things. And she's done some great work with uh, other stories around the likes of Marsden Point, our oil, oil refinery being shut down. Now, I was listening to a conversation with her and Sue Gray after the court decision came through. And if what, the, what they were saying is true, it's pretty shocking stuff. I think you can find it on Odyssey if you want to look up Liz Gunn and Sue Gray, Baby Will on Odyssey. It's well worth your time to listen to, but from what they were saying, some of the bullying tactics and intimidation being used uh, by doctors and security and and others, other organisations, is appalling. And and even just the the knowledge of some of the doctors involved, with they were saying in this interview that one of the doctors they talked to was calling it the spite protein. That's with a T instead of the spike. <laughs> protein didn't even know what the name of it was called now spite protein seems quite appropriate in this instance doesn't it but if that's the case and and that's what an example of what's being said then it just shows you how how many people are well that we know they're not actually independent doctors they're employed by the state they're they're just employment they're, they're just employees and so they go along with the narrative, they go along with what they're being told, and a lot of them won't be looking into things for themselves, despite being qualified to do so. So it'd be interesting to know the percentage of doctors in New Zealand that are actually just employed basically through the government. But yes, that interview is very interesting, and what I took away from it was the ruling was what Sue Gray said that in that interview, that the blood bank lawyer or representative whoever it was had said that they won't be giving the blood anyway because they don't want to um well the ruling was something along the lines of that they didn't want to set a precedent for other people now my understanding is is that you could have donor choice blood previously and it used to be on the website and that is an option in new zealand suddenly it became a problem why is the question we need to ask why is it suddenly a problem 
Now, I'm just seeing here that today there's a second set of parents that are now seeking unjabbed blood for their baby's heart surgery. And it says here that the parents of a toddler with a heart defect are trying to fly her to India for surgery because they don't want her to um, receive jabbed blood. So this is going to be an ongoing thing. And what's interesting is, again, in that interview, they said that people that lived in the UK before 1996 still aren't able to give blood. I don't know how accurate that is, but apparently they're still unable to give blood because of the mad cow disease that was over there in, well, clearly before 96. So there's those precautions being taken. They also mentioned, I think it was Moderna, it might have been another one, but one of the other medicines, I'll call it, there's a 14-day stand-down period before you can, or maybe even longer, maybe 30 days. I think it was 14, though. That there has to be a, there's a stand-down period before you can donate. But with the Pfizer medicine, there isn't. And there's a real possibility and probability that our blood bank is contaminated with mRNA. That is a possibility. So look, so this is a real concern. And we know it's a real concern, yet the media and how they've been acting around this case are again playing it off as those crazy, crazy conspiracy nut jobs that just don't know what they're talking about. And it's definitely being used to to smear those that question medicines. There's even an article here titled Liz Gunn, the independent journalist I'm just talking about, and the, quote, pure bloods, how the baby blood donor story unfolded. Now, I've got a real problem with the the name pure bloods and people calling themselves pure blood. It's it's not a good look. And that looks like something that's been seeded into all of this as a divide and conquer style strategy. But no, I don't think anybody, I, don't, I just don't think, look, you can use the word if you want. I don't think it helps. And calling someone a pure blood (laughs) look it brings up images all right and i'm not talking about harry potter so anyway there's clearly a real problem with this and the new zealand blood blood bank has a monopoly a monopoly has a monopoly on this and it's a concern especially when or how that court case went and if what Sue Gray and Liz Gunn are talking about is accurate, and I've, I don't have reason to doubt that, really concerning the behaviour coming out of hospitals and the blood bank and Health New Zealand and things like that. Very, very concerning. Anyway, ending on a high. Well, not really. <laughs> it's not a high, but it amused me. On Friday last week, I saw, I was at this estate. I was out in the country. There's this estate just driving by. And what do I look what do I see when I look to my right? There's a lawnmower. Well, that's interesting. But it's a lawnmower driving itself. That's right. Robots are here, people. And it just made me think of this whole... The whole depopulation conspiracy and the Malthusians that seem to be running the world, those that think that we are overpopulated and that we use too much resources. We are the, the useless eaters of the world. And I see this thing driving around. I'm like, this is like, this is creeping into absolutely every area of life. This is a Roomba for your yard. And the robot, it's basically what it is. It's just a robot Roomba 
which is what a Roomba is. But a lawn Roomba is where I'm trying to get to. And it's creeping into every area of our life. They, We are going to be made useless eaters because they're trying, when I say they, I mean the, the Malthusians of the world, they see that robots, AI, and things like that can do the jobs that humans do and possibly better in the future. And I'm just thinking what all those businesses that have, you know, the lawn mowing businesses and the garden businesses and how long have they got? 10, 20 years? I'm, I'm sure it's going to go for a while. These things aren't cheap for the average person. But it's the first time I've seen a robotic lawnmower, a Roomba lawnmower, I don't know what they call them, in this country, just having a merry old time out there, non-stop, cutting the lawn, constantly keeping it at the right height, probably goes back to its base to charge up overnight. Yeah, this is, it's going to slowly creep into every area of our life. You're seeing it even with art and writing and creative endeavours where people are just punching in stuff into an AI type program and producing art of themselves you obviously see that new trend going around everyone doing their AI version of themselves and yeah all of these types of things are just slowly taking over and this is my big problem with a lot of right wingers and conservatives kind of hero worshipping people like Elon Musk who wants to put a chip in our brains and now he said that the the population isn't it's not overpopulated at all he he said that he said that we don't have enough people i don't think elon's solution is to have us uh, live a traditional life and to raise big families i think elon's solution is ai is robotics as you see with the the robots that he's come out with and possibly things like uh, test tube babies lab grown children possibly that's where I, I I see this heading. I don't think Elon's a hero. I, I'm enjoying seeing some of the stuff he's posting on Twitter. It's funny. Some of the stuff that's being released is good. I'm not denying that. But I think he's playing the hero. And I think ultimately the solution for people like him isn't human beings. It's technology. And when I saw the robot lawnmower, that's all I could think about. It just felt dystopian. Cool to see. I'm not going to deny that as a man, uh, that that technology, it's interesting and cool to to see, but it didn't exactly uh, leave me feeling feeling hopeful. <laughs> but look, we can push back in our own way, and we can support well independent artists and writers and workers, and maybe not buy rumba lawnmowers in the future. You know, maybe going back to being a a bit more human and a less less reliant on technology anyway i'm gonna leave it there for today this has been another episode of the arriving somewhere with matt j podcast commentary comedy and conversation and i will talk to you again in the next one